here as well. And um, I'm thankful that the presence of the Lord is still with us, still challenging our thinking, uh, that proverbial stretch, if you will. Uh, I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing. Uh, I do want to share with you, um, I was at the church yesterday morning. I arrived at about 10 minutes to 11, and um, I was literally just taken back with a number of cars that were in the parking lot, and that would be, of course, for our Tuesday morning prayer meeting at 10 o'clock. So when it was over, we got home, I asked Sister Murphy, how many do you think were at, was at morning prayer? And she said we had, she counted 36 for Tuesday morning prayer, and it is awesome. Uh, that is triple what we usually have. And you folks, please understand how encouraging and how inspiring that was uh, to see you praying, to hear you praying. I, I heard it when I was walking in the back door. I could hear it outside. And uh, just very thankful to hear people calling out to the Lord. And I had a conversation with Brother Dave about it before church tonight. It don't take very many joining together and praying and seeking the presence of God to um, see God turn His church and our community on its ear. And um, uh, I want the Lord to have His way at Grace Church more than I want anything else. And uh, I believe He will if we will seek the Lord and pray together. Uh, I do appreciate your response Sunday morning. And uh, I do apologize. I wasn't 100% Sunday morning, but we were here. And uh, thankful for the Lord speaking and for what God is doing. I do want to ask you a question tonight real quick before we turn to the Word of God. Have you ever thought about naming your, your smartphone or your iPad? I named my iPad Titanic, and right now it's sinking. Your expression is priceless. And this is the whole reason I do this, is your expression is priceless. I do want to give you something to look forward to this year. Um, November the 1st. November the 1st is a very special day, and you should mark it down on your calendar. It is the National Eat Your Kids Halloween Candy After They Go to Bed Day. So I just wanted to share that with you and uh, so you can put that on your calendar and remember to do that. So, um, yeah, if you want to be sure to eat all of your kids, I look forward to it. Uh, I get all the, Sister Murphy and I get all the candy that Noah and Joseph can't have. And it'll last two or three months. I mean, it, it don't matter if it's expired and hard. We just go, it's still sweet. We just go ahead and eat it. It's all right. So, um as a result of the moving of the Spirit of the Lord, not just Sunday, but over the past several weeks, Brother Ben challenged us strongly last Wednesday night. If you've not listened to that presentation or watched it, I highly recommend it. Um, Brother Dave preached a couple of Sundays ago about revival. Folks, I believe tonight, I mentioned it Sunday, but... I have felt rapture more this year than I have in my lifetime. 
Uh, I've heard this as far back as I can remember. I remember the, the pastor that I remember the most, Brother Calvin Rigdon, that used to pastor the First Pentecostal Church in Baton Rouge when I was a kid back in the 60s, would spread the big chart across the platform. Any old-timers remember those days? Um, and uh, remember him teaching about prophecy and talked about how close he felt the rapture was to taking place. That was in the 60s. And then all through the 70s, I remember the prophecy preachers, and there were a number of them that would come through our church back then and uh, just literally, well, I'm just going to be honest. It would just scare you to death. As a matter of fact, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in 1969. Uh, during a prophecy revival, every night, Brother Mike Hutzpeth hung us over hell the whole entire time he preached. And I'd go to the altar at 12 years old and wail, and God finally filled me up with the Holy Ghost. Probably just got tired of my crying about it. And, um, but I've heard this all of my life is the point. But I can promise you, since the things that our world has experienced this year has happened, um, there's a feeling that's gripped my heart like I've never experienced. I'm not saying that to be sensational. I'm not saying that to try to scare anybody here tonight, but I'm just being honest. I believe something is moving in the heavens, and I believe we are, I believe the rapture of the church is imminent. Um, I don't know if I want to announce this or not, but I'm praying hard, uh, been doing a lot of study. But uh, I'm praying for direction, but we may start a series next Wednesday night on the book of Revelation, uh, something I've not done in a long time. But we're here. We're at the point, and we need to know. The theme that I would like to teach from if we do this starting next Wednesday night is the tribulation period. You want to be here is going to be the perspective that I'll use. I want everybody to understand the days of playing games and laying out of church and all of that's over. I would to God this building was packed out tonight. And there's a lot of folks that could be here but chose not to be here for various reasons that are not worthy of missing. I'm glad you're here tonight. Thank you so very much for being here. But I have a presentation I want to make tonight that's been boiling in my heart for the past several days. As a matter of fact, I did not go to bed until about 5 o'clock Monday morning. And um, uh, I want to share with you what has been born out of some of that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, Paul said to the church at Corinth, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 
but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And then from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, the same writer said to a different church, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Everybody read that last verse with me right now. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about my comfort for tomorrow. My comfort for tomorrow. Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. The word mystery here means unknowable to us unless God reveals it. The word mystery means unknowable to us unless God reveals it. Paul said, We shall not all sleep. There's two categories of people that Paul mentions. Believers that die and those that do not. There's two categories of believers. Those that die and those that do not. For the ones that die, Paul uses a softer word. And he says they are asleep rather than they are dead. But I want you to notice again, if I may read again, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. So everybody in Christ is not going to die. There's going to be some that are still living when the rapture of the church takes place. But then he also acknowledged, and we see in the Scripture, that there are those that will die, and Paul again referred to them as those asleep in Christ. I believe in both categories of those who are alive and remain at rapture and those who are asleep in the grave at rapture. Paul said, we shall all be changed. The dead in Christ will be changed. And we which are alive and remain shall be changed. I know there's probably an element of people here tonight that have only applied that verse to the ones that are alive and remain. But Paul said we shall all be changed. And he was talking about both people, both categories of people. He said in a moment in the twinkling of the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. That's a change from where they are at time of rapture. And then he said, those that alive and remain shall be changed. I believe that what he is saying 
is that at the time of rapture, our live bodies and even the dead bodies will be changed to a glorified body, very similar to what Christ had after his resurrection. The body he was in when he came out of the grave and then resurrected and ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. It is my opinion, I will not debate this with anyone, it's just my opinion, but that the people who are deceased right now, who died in Christ, I believe their soul is in the presence of the Lord, but at the rapture, they'll receive a glorified body. You say, why? I'm glad you ask. Because the Bible is very clear in the book of Revelation. The Bible, I believe, the rapture takes place in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. And it spends the next couple of chapters talking about the church in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So I believe the people who have died, their soul is in heaven, but at time of rapture, they will return to their body. Their body will be changed as well as ours, and they will return back to heaven with the church, the alive church. And the reason that process takes place is so they can be, the dead in Christ will be prepared in body form for the marriage supper of the Lamb, which will last for seven years. This is my opinion. Again, I don't want to debate it with anybody. Don't run up after church and say, well, I I don't want to do that. If you believe differently, that's fine. It's not a heaven or hell issue. I just don't chase these rabbits anymore with people. I just don't because there's no good resolution. You're not going to see it my way and I'm not going to see it yours. So you have your opinion and I'll have it. It's kind of like our noses. You keep yours and I'll keep mine. Did I communicate that okay, or was that just a little far out there some kind of way? But again, it's only my opinion that these saints are in spirit form, and at rapture they'll receive a glorified body to prepare them for the marriage supper. But here's my comfort for tomorrow. Here's my comfort for tomorrow. I want to give you seven reasons tonight why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, I believe the rapture of the church will take place before the tribulation period starts. Now, some of you may not totally understand what the tribulation is. Uh, it's a long story. Uh, and the reason I say that is I like to put a lot of basis. I told Sister Murphy this yesterday. When I teach or preach, I like to know I have a lot of foundation underneath it. I'm just not going to get up here and blow steam and, and because it sounds good. I want to make sure I can back it up. That's the reason I just said about... Uh, the dead in Christ and so on. That's my opinion. Um, But the tribulation is a seven-year period of time in which the judgment of God will be poured out on this earth like mankind has never seen it before. What what people don't realize is in in the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, 25% of this world's population is going to die during the tribulation period. What is 27, 25% of some 7 billion people? 1.75 billion, something like that. Does that sound about right? 
I don't know what they're going to do with all these people. And there's going to be a number of things that's going to cause that to happen. But the book of Revelation is very clear. By the time the tribulation period is over, 65 to 75% of the world's population will be wiped out, including half of the nation of Israel. You want to be here? It's not funny. And over the past two and a half months, we've gotten just a tiny, tiny taste of how it can happen. Just like that. Y'all on board yet? As most of us here tonight know, probably everybody here tonight knows, there are at least three different thoughts on the rapture and when it will take place in reference to the tribulation period. It's kind of like going to a Mexican restaurant and eating chips. Do you pray before you eat chips? Or do you pray in the middle of eating chips? Or do you say the blessing when you're done eating chip? If you do, then you have pre-chip, mid-chip, and post-chip. So the same is true with the tribulation period. You have the pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. And I dare say if the tribulation, if the rapture takes place before the tribulation, the mid-tribs and the post-tribs won't mind. And I do not believe it's a heaven or hell issue. I agree tonight that it would be, that's probably the end of the humor. So I hope you all enjoyed it. I'm trying to soften this a little bit tonight, especially for our guest. But I agree that it would be nice if the Bible said straight up, in no uncertain terms, that the New Testament church that we're a part of tonight will absolutely not be going through the tribulation period, but unfortunately it doesn't. I believe it says it many times. But there's a lot of people that doesn't interpret Scripture that way. So this is what I would like to do. Um, This is what I'm going to assimilate tonight in this very short Bible study. I believe it's necessary to do a forensic study of the subject, if you will, to put together all the evidence and make a determination based on the findings. And I believe when you do that, the evidence of a pre-tribulation rapture is far more prevalent in Scripture than the other two positions. But I want to show you tonight why I believe in pre-tribulation rapture. Number one, first and foremost, it brings comfort. Again, the last two and a half, three months, not just in our country, but pretty much around the world, has given everybody worldwide just a little snippet of what can happen and how quickly it can happen and how quick your lives can change and your normal is taken away. So if you could know and understand the purpose of the tribulation period, it is going to be a time of wrath and judgment like the world has never seen. And when Paul introduced this subject of the rapture in the two scripture settings tonight that I read are the two most clear in the Bible about it, both referred to or taught by Paul, but to do two different churches. When Paul talked about the rapture, he said, when you talk about it, use it not as a fearful component, but as a tool of comfort. When you talk about 
meeting the Lord in the air, and the dead in Christ rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Comfort one another with those words. It's hopeful. <laughs> it's encouraging. It's, it's comforting. It wouldn't hurt my feelings if it happened now. What comfort is there in believing that we will go through half of the tribulation period or all of it? I don't believe the Bible tantalizes people like that. Well, Paul, it's nice of you to say that, but really and truly we're going through half of it and possibly all of it, so it's not going to really be that comforting. If it was not for a pre-tribulation rapture, I don't believe he had added that statement onto the end of it. Again, the wrath of God during the tribulation period will be so severe... That 65 to 75% of the world's population is going to be wiped out by it. That brings no comfort to me. I do not believe that the presence of God will be available during the tribulation period as we know it today. The church will be gone. Preachers will be gone. Singers will be gone. I don't believe the baptism of the Holy Ghost is going to be available during the tribulation period. The redemptive qualities of God will not be in operation during the tribulation period. If you don't make the rapture, it's over. It's over. That brings no comfort to me. The second thing is that God has not appointed the church to wrath. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Calvary was the wrath of God that spares the church from going through the tribulation. Jesus took on that wrath. He took on that judgment to spare us from it. Peter said in his epistle, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Everybody say temptations. And to preserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. I want to talk about that word temptations for a minute. According to Vine's expository dictionary of biblical words, the word temptation... And this verse has been mistranslated. It, it is actually singular and not plural. It's not temptations with plural. It's temptation singular. And it comes from the Greek word parismos, which literally means tribulation or one singular event. The rapture will be God's way of delivering us as the church from the tribulation period. The media don't have this verse. I added it later. Revelation chapter 3 verse 10. Because thou hast kept my word, John is saying that God told him. I also will keep thee from the hour or from the time of temptation. It's the same word. I will keep you from that one singular event which shall come upon the earth on all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. I also will have you notice tonight to comfort you with pre-tribulation rapture is the absence of any mention of the church in the rest of the book of Revelation indicates that it is not on the earth during the tribulation period. There are at least 16 references to the church in Revelation chapters 1 through 3. The rest of the book of Revelation, chapters 6 through 18, which talks about the tribulation period, does not mention the church one time. It's not mentioned even one time. So that comforts me that we'll not be here during the tribulation. Number four, the tribulation is a specific time meant for the nation of Israel. I do believe that the tribulation period has a twofold purpose. First of all, it's for God to reveal himself again 
to the Jewish people since they did not accept him the first time he came. But I also know tonight that the tribulation period is going to be an era of time, seven years, where God is going to pour out judgment on this planet like it's never seen from its beginning. And it is to punish those who remain for all the sin that they have committed and for rejecting Christ. The Bible said in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse, verse 4, And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, you have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask you how, and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness or death? Alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Jacob's trouble is another uh, way the Bible uses to define the tribulation period. Jeremiah calls it a time of Jacob's trouble. I know that some of the Jews will be saved out of it in a similar ways that the Jews were saved from the last six plagues that came on Egypt during the time of Moses. They were spared from the last six plagues in Goshen. The Bible said that believing Jews will be spared by fleeing to the mountains, even possibly, some believe, to a place called Petra. When foretelling the future Holocaust brought on by the Great Tribulation, Christ told the Jews that when you see a certain thing happen, you need to run for your life. And believing Jews are going to do it. Those that do not will die. I can teach all this if we do the Revelation study. You'll understand all the details about it. What did Jesus have in mind? Surely not the ones of the Holy Land, the country so populated there is no place to hide, one would think. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24. When you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation... Spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. God told them, when you see certain, a certain thing happen, you need to run for your life. Some believe that the Lord must have had in mind a place called Petra in northern Israel, a nearly inaccessible ancient city 50 miles south of the Dead Sea, in, in the southern in, in southern Jordan and surrounding the mountainous uh, the, uh, excuse me and surrounding mountainous area, one who enters ancient Petra through a long narrow gorge with cliffs two hundred and fifty feet high on either side, then the scene widens to an ancient multi storage city hewn out of sandstone with an annual rainfall of only six inches a year. The ingenious people that live there now have contrived pools and dams and the cliffs to hold enough rainwater to last throughout the year. It's possible that there the Jews would exist three and a half years, the last half of the worldwide tribulation until Christ's second coming, when the Jews will wholeheartedly at that time accept him as their Messiah. The Bible said in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means. Talked about this Sunday. For that day shall not come except there come in a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. When this happens, this is the sign 
when the Jews, the believing Jews, see this happen. When the Antichrist goes to their temple as a Gentile and says, I am God, the world will have to worship me. When the Jews realize that, they need to flee, and some of them will. Notice that Paul said the Antichrist will seat himself in the Jewish temple, the place of worship which Israel highly reveres. This godless man will be brashly proclaiming that he is God. This is gross sacrilege and will fulfill the prediction of the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, which is a desecration of the temple by a Gentile entering the holy place, a section of the temple that only an authorized peace, a priest would be allowed to enter. Jesus addressing the Jews said that when they see the Antichrist desecrate the temple, let those which are in Judea flee to the mountains. Of course, the reason for fleeing will be to escape the wrath of the Satan-directed Antichrist. Petra is located in biblical Edom, and the scriptures state that the land of Edom will be delivered from his, the Antichrist, hand. Daniel eleven forty one said he shall enter also into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. The Lord will assist the Jewish people with their escape to the mountains, according to Revelation six thirteen and 14. And when the Antichrist sets out to destroy them, the Bible said a great earthquake will wipe out that portion of his forces. This is another example of God protecting his chosen people. I will point out to you again tonight the word church is used some 16 times in Revelation 1 through 3 and used zero times in chapters 4 through 22. The Antichrist cannot come to power until the restrainer is removed. That restrainer is the church. The extensive old use of Old Testament language in the book of Revelation, language and symbols in Revelation 4 through 18, is an indication of Israel in the Old Testament church more so than the New Testament church. When I read these things, it comforts me that we won't be here. I'd also like for you tonight to get a picture of the Jewish wedding custom of the time of Christ when a couple were to be married. We have it, our traditions and customs are so different today than what theirs were then and and even today in the Jewish realm. Uh, A lot of these traditions are still practiced. But I want to compare it tonight. Jesus did. I'd like to do the same. I'd like to compare it to how we are the bride of Christ using the Jewish wedding custom of that time. First of all, the Jewish father chooses the bride for his son. That was the Jewish custom of that time. And in parts of Israel, it's still the same to this day. I remember a number of years ago, our United Pentecostal Church International International Conference was held in Jerusalem. And uh, there was a family that I knew very, very well um, that went. They took their whole family over there. And and this family that I knew very well that went over there, they had a beautiful daughter. Actually, they had three, but uh, this particular one was just exceptionally beautiful. And uh, I think she was a a young teenager at that time. And um, a Jewish man approached this family and said, your daughter is beautiful. I would like to have her for my son to marry. 
I will give you 70,000 camels for your daughter, a dowry. The man from over here thought, my word, what am I going to do with 70,000 camels? Um, I don't have any use for one, much less that many. <clears throat> but he, the man saw her as a very striking young lady and wanted her for his son. God chooses his bride. And we all know that when a man chooses a bride for his son, he has to provide a dowry. It's usually very generous. It has to be very generous. A man with a daughter don't give his daughter away for nothing. Calvary is the dowry that Jesus used to purchase his church with. For the church to be the bride of Christ, the purchase price was his blood shed on Calvary. For greater love hath no man than this. The second part of the Jewish wedding custom is there has to be an official contract signed before the wedding ceremony can take place. Our Bible is our contract between us and God. Number three, the bride and groom do not see each other for one year before the wedding takes place. I wouldn't have made it. The last three months, Sister Murphy and I were engaged. I couldn't go five minutes without seeing that woman somewhere. And if, if all else failed, I had a picture. It was their custom that the bride and groom did not see each other for one year before the wedding. The groom is unseen by his bride. The groom is unseen by his bride. And Christ has literally been unseen by his church during the time of preparation for the marriage supper of the Lamb. So it was a custom back then that this future bride would wear a veil over her face. She was to be covered. She was to be covered. And it was an indication to everyone around her that she was engaged to be married if she had that certain veil over her face. That's in case she just so happened to run into her groom she could not see him clearly. Paul said in reference to Jesus, for we see through a glass darkly. Number four, this is very interesting to me. The bride in this case would make her own wedding dress, but she would make it out of the material given to her by her future husband's father. Do you know where we get our apparel from? We are being prepared to see him. And he has provided the adornment, which is godliness and holiness. The Bible said in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Number five, 
during that year while the bride is making herself ready, making her dress out of material provided by her future husband's father. During that same year, the groom is busy at work building a room onto his father's house because they would live in a house attached to the groom's father's house. This is why Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Let's clap our hands to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. So our bridegroom tonight, Jesus, is building a room, he said, in my Father's house for us. Number six. Back then, only the Father knew the time of the wedding. He would watch his son. He would get information on his son's future bride. And when he thought around that time of a year was close enough... When the time came, the father would literally blow a trumpet in those days and a time of festival would begin. Praise the Lord. In Mark 13, Jesus said, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father only. Take heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. It does say no man knows the day nor the hour, But I believe we can know the season. And I submit to you tonight that there are no more prophecies in the Bible that need to be fulfilled that would prevent the Lord Jesus from having sound the trumpet tonight and we'd be raptured out of here in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. This comforts me. This stuff comforts me. Hallelujah to God. I'll tell you the season. I'll tell you the season of the rapture. Jesus said that when the fig tree begins to bloom and blossom, when it puts on leaves, that means when Israel will be gathered together after 2,000 years of eviction from their homeland, when they gather together again, when they become a nation again, that the generation in which that happens would not pass until all these things be fulfilled. I'll tell you right now, the clock's ticking. And I referenced... Prophecy preaching in the 60s and 70s and 80s and all that a little while ago. We're a whole lot closer now than we were then. Number seven. The bride and groom would go into their own private chamber. After the groom, the father of the groom, they go and they get the bride. They bring her back to the father's house. They're allowed to go into their own private chamber for seven days to get to know one another. I don't want to imply that that's fornication or what have you. If you'll give me a pass, we can talk about all that later. But that's their tradition, and I don't believe anything like that even happened. Here's the point. When they went into their chamber for seven days, no one saw them. It was just the two of them, and no one saw them. The church at the time of rapture will be unseen in the world for seven years. It will be unseen for seven years. 
while we sit around a table and get real acquainted with our groom. I don't know what that does to you, but it makes me want to do one lap around this building right after another. This comforts me. This comforts me. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Look at somebody and tell them rapture's coming. Look at somebody else and ask them if they're ready. Buddy, if they're not answering yes, we need to have an altar service here tonight. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm telling you here tonight with what's going on in our world, not just in our country, but around the world, I believe we could hear the sound of a trumpet any moment, any day now. I believe we're here. Let's clap our hands again to the Lord. Now, we didn't have a lot of announcements tonight before church, so I'm going to use a little bit of that time to finish up here. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm, I'm five minutes. I had something hit me the other night. I told Sister Murphy about it. I could have tore our house down. I've heard these stories all of my life. And I never got this point. I've heard this since I was four years old in Sunday school, and I never, I never put it together. Do you remember the story of the three Hebrew boys in the Old Testament? I'm going to see if I can blindside some of you theologians like I got blindsided. Not that I'm a theologian. Do you remember the story of the three Hebrew boys? How they were cast into the fiery furnace? Where was Daniel? Where was Daniel in this story? Where was he? One of you theologians raise your hand and tell me where Daniel was. He was one of the top dudes in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, was he not? Nebuchadnezzar called this feast. Come on, somebody get on board with me here tonight. Y'all read this story. He had all of his princesses and all these people from everywhere all over Babylon, come to this meeting of feast and festival and food, and God only knows what. You couldn't be exempted from that. And the point was that he had had an image made. He had it erected during this festival, during this feast, and then commanded everybody to bow down and worship him. You know the story. The three Hebrew boys didn't do it, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. My question still remains, where was Daniel? How did he get a pass? He was a big deal. He was a dream interpreter guy. He served on the court. How did he get a pass? You know what I believe happened? I believe Daniel was a type of the New Testament church. He didn't have to go through all that like the three Hebrew boys did. I believe God used him as an example. Don't you find it striking in the Bible that God allowed the three Hebrew boys to be called by their Babylonian names and Daniel didn't? Do y'all know Daniel's name, Babylonian name? Daniel. 
I believe it was a type of the church. I don't know where he was. I don't have an answer to that question. I haven't had time to study it. It just hit me the other night, and I've been burying in this stuff for hours. And then finally, the seventh thing that comforts me about pre-tribulation rapture. In a very similar vein, when Noah built the ark, I believe Enoch should have been there. I think he should have lived long enough. If you look at the time from when he was raptured, the Bible said Enoch walked with the Lord and was not, for God took him. He was only 365 years old. That's pretty young back then. Thank God he shortened man's life. And if you're still having a fool with people two and three hundred years old, I don't know what I'd do. I mean, 63 is bad enough. But I believe that Enoch should have been there. But he wasn't. I believe he was a type of the church. Now watch this. Noah was God's chosen man during that time, and he built the ark. He didn't go through that judgment either. He went through it, but he was on top of it. In the ark, on top of the waters of judgment. And God directed that ark, and it landed safely, and Noah and his family got out of it. So he's a type of Israel, the Jewish people. But Enoch was raptured before it all started. This comforts me. To know that there are unbelievable quantity of scripture that gives us hope and promise that not only are we not going to go through the tribulation but that the rapture of the church is on us I believe there's people here tonight that won't see death you'll see the rapture of the church take place hopefully you'll be in it but if you're not God help you I want to close tonight on a very sobering thought that I want you to take home with you. I want you to take it to bed with you tonight. Do you understand? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh, I think if people know it, they bury it. They, they don't let it come to their, the forefront of their, their thought processes. But do you understand after the rapture that there won't be a church here? I opened up with this comment and comment a little bit. The, the, the church won't be here. And the reason you read all these strange things in the book of Revelation about what God is doing is, is we are accustomed. I want everybody to hear me tonight because this makes sense if nothing else that I said does. We are accustomed, typically, generally, that if you want to hear God, if you want to feel God, the best place to come is the church. You'll be in the presence of the Lord. You'll be with God's people. You'll hear the man of God teach the word of God. You won't have that in the tribulation period. My opinion, but I believe I have Bible to back it up. The tribulation is not going to have any redemptive opportunities. There won't be a church. There won't be a praise team. Your mama, your daddy. None of them are going to be here. 
if they're believers. What are you going to do when all this calamity takes place and there's no church to go to? There's nowhere to talk to God. All this stuff we believe about the Bible, it won't be applicable during the tribulation period. It won't. This Acts 2.38 thing and being born again and all that, that's not applicable anymore. That redemptive purpose of God ends at rapture. And you're going to be stuck here without a way of escape. You know, you know how, it's interesting to me, I've come to the conclusion during all this COVID business that people that only like God now are going to hate God during the tribulation period. If you don't love Him now, you're not going to fall in love with Him then. But it's interesting to me that there's, there's a scripture in, in Revelation that says it's going to get so bad that the occupants of the earth is going to look at the mountains and beg the mountains to fall on them and crush them to hide them from the face of God. You know what that tells me? Is there ain't a church to go to. That's the next best option. I'd like for all of you to take that thought to bed with you tonight. If you miss the rapture, what are you going to do? Because it is not going to be nice on this planet. Stand with me tonight. <clears throat> I'd like for us to pray. Had a great prayer meeting here yesterday morning. And I'd like for all of us, just right where you stand tonight, to great crowd here tonight. Thank you for being here. But I'd like for all of us to take just a few moments and just spend some time praying just right where you stand and let's plead with the Lord tonight to be merciful to those that are not saved and to keep us close to God tonight that are let's pray together Father tonight we need you so desperately and God I pray tonight for I pray for my family pray for my kids my grandkids my extended family have people in my family, Sister Murphy and I do on both sides. It's not right with God. I pray in Jesus' name that you would be merciful, that you would be kind, that the long-suffering of God would wait as it did when Noah was building the ark. I pray tonight that you would talk to people that are even in this building right now, that whether they come to the front, whether they remain in their chair to talk to you, Somebody pray with me tonight. I'm not going through the motions right now. There's people here tonight that needs to have a conversation with God about their life and their future. I pray in Jesus' name that the Spirit of the Lord would work here tonight. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would work here tonight. And I pray, God, that you would take Grace Church up in your arms right now. That you would hold us all close to you, close to your bosom. I pray tonight, God, that we could get rid of our attitudes, our feelings, and all these things that stand between us and genuine revival, a real move of God. I pray that we could truly repent. You ask all the seven churches of Asia Minor to repent. We're no exception. I pray in Jesus' name that we could get more serious about our relationship with you than we have ever been in our life. I pray that a revival could break out in this church, that this building couldn't contain it. God, have your way. Have your way, oh God, have your way. 
Oh, God, have your way. Oh, God, have your way. Oh, God, have your way. Everybody talk to the Lord tonight. Everybody talk to Jesus. Thank the Lord in Jesus' name. If you want to talk to the Lord, these altars are open right now. If you want to come talk to Him, it's open. It's open. There's folks here tonight. You know what you need to do. You know how to do it. Thank the Lord. Would you come talk to Jesus? Would you come talk to Jesus? Thank the Lord. You may be saying, Pastor, this praying is bothering me a little bit right now. You've not heard prayer like you're going to hear after the rapture. You're not going to hear it until after the rapture. I take advantage of the moment. I take advantage of the moment. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, talk to us tonight, I pray. God, talk to us tonight, I pray, Jesus. Talk to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The altars are open. Anybody want to talk to the Lord tonight? Does anybody want to come talk to Him? If you just want to come pray, feel free to do so. If you just want to come pray, God, I want to be ready. God, I want to repent of everything in my life, in my heart, in my mind, in my thoughts. God, I want to be ready. God, I want to be ready. Thank the Lord. I'm not trying to scare anybody tonight. This is real. Oh, God, this is real. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Would it make somebody feel better if everybody came to the front right now? Why don't we do that, everybody? Let's gather around the front. It might make somebody feel a little bit better. Everybody come gather around the front. Let's talk to the Lord for a little while. Let's talk to the Lord for a little while tonight. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Jesus' name. Go ahead, folks. Let's talk to the Lord for a little while. Let's talk to the Lord for a little while. This is a God moment for somebody. This is a God moment for somebody. Talk to Jesus tonight. God, in your name. Oh, God, in your name. Oh, God, in your name. Oh, God, in your name. Let the Holy Ghost rush through this place right now. Let the Spirit of the Lord rush through this place right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah to God, hallelujah to God, hallelujah to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, we've got to be ready. Lord, we've got to be ready.
Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, folks, let's pray on. Let's pray on for another moment, if you would, everybody. Let's pray on for just another moment. We've got to keep this open for another moment. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to hear your voice right now. God, I want to hear your voice right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's pray, folks. Let's pray. Everybody pray. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, my family's got to be ready. God, my family's got to be ready. God, my family has got to be ready. We've got to be stirred. Help us to leave here comforted tonight. Help us to leave here comforted tonight. Because we know what our tomorrow holds. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost moving, folks. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Spirit of the Lord. Somebody let Him have His way. Somebody let Him have His way right now. Somebody let Him have His way. This is a God moment for somebody. It's a God moment for somebody. Let Him have His way. Let Him have His way. Let Him have His way in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God, oh God, hallelujah, oh Jesus, oh to hear the cry of an intercessor, to hear the cry of an intercessor, oh God when Zion travails. Sons and daughters are born. Hallelujah. 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 Let's linger in the presence of the Lord for a few moments. Thank you for your patience tonight, but let's linger for a moment. Let's linger for a moment. Hallelujah to God in the name of Jesus. 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 Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. 
Thank the Lord. If you feel comfortable to do so, would you take the hand of somebody close to you? Put your arm on their shoulder, whatever you feel comfortable with. Let's pray one more time. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for one another tonight. Let's pray one more time. Thank the Lord. Something needs to break through here tonight. Something needs to break through here tonight. Let's pray. Everybody pray. Everybody pray. In the name of Jesus, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Let the Spirit of the Lord work. Let your Spirit work. Let your Spirit work. Let your Spirit work. Let your Spirit work work in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Thank the Lord. Would you mind clapping your hands and praise to the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. 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 Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. I think there's some refreshments maybe after church, something going on in the back. If some of you want to check that out, feel free to do so. But go around and greet one another, and let's assure one another tonight I'll see you in the rapture. Thank the Lord. I'm planning on it. I'm planning on it. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name.